From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my friends, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. Now, in this week's episode, we'll hear about a close encounter this week over New Mexico between a commercial airliner and an unknown object. If that isn't an anecdote from a Project Blue Book happy hour, I don't know what is. We'll also take a look at a mystery surrounding the mutilation of pelicans in Florida, the U.S. Navy testing new solar power technology, and a whole lot more. As always, before we get to the news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show to help us grow. And we're still looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise, so give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. And don't make me beg, but please save it to your contacts in case you see something strange. Or you can always email me at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And on that note, let's dive right in. Well, earlier this week, an airline pilot reported a long cylindrical object while they were flying over New Mexico. This from the Albuquerque Journal. New Mexico is famous for UFO incidents alleged to have occurred in such places as Roswell, Securo, and Aztec. So it's no surprise another close encounter was reported to have taken place Sunday in the skies over northern New Mexico. American Airlines confirmed that a recording of a radio transmission from a pilot who reported seeing something unusual flying overhead at a high rate of speed is indeed authentic. The recording was made by Steve Douglas, a self-described stealth chaser from Amarillo. Mr. Douglas was kind enough to make the audio available of the pilot speaking to the control tower, and we've secured that audio, so here it is. Have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us that... I hate to say this looked like a long cylindrical object. It almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast that went right over the top of it. The reply from the Albuquerque Air Route Traffic Control Center can't be heard because local air traffic in Amarillo walked over it, according to Douglas. Messages left for an FAA spokesperson were not returned Wednesday. However, American Airlines confirmed to the journal that the recording was authentic. Quote, following a debrief with our flight crew and additional information received, we can confirm this radio transmission was from American Airlines Flight 2292 on February 21st. An American Airlines spokesperson wrote in an email. He referred any additional questions to the FBI. Quote, the FBI is aware of the reported incident, the agency replied to a journal inquiry. While our policy is to neither confirm nor deny investigations, the FBI works continuously with our federal, state, and local and tribal partners to share intelligence and protect the public, end quote. According to flight data gathered by Douglas, the incident occurred around 12.29 p.m. Sunday, while the aircraft flying from Cincinnati to Phoenix was at an elevation of 37,000 feet. Its location at the time of the radio transmission was west of Clayton in the northeastern corner of New Mexico. The flight path continued north of Santa Fe and left New Mexico airspace west of Gallup. Douglas, who wrote a book titled The Comprehensive Guide to Military Monitoring, says no significant military aircraft presence was noted on ADSB, which is the Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast Logs. 
A spokeswoman at Kirkland Air Force Base in Albuquerque said she had heard about the purported UFO encounter in the media, but not from anyone affiliated within the military. Quote, we have no knowledge of this. We're not aware of anything, Lally Laxbergs told the journal. Messages left for a public affairs officer at the White Sands Missile Range in southern New Mexico were not returned Wednesday. Efforts to reach Douglas were also unsuccessful. He works at Amarillo's television station KVII as a photographer, and the station interviewed him. He said he was listening live when the pilot radioed in the sighting. Quote, I heard this aircraft, basically above all the other aircraft, because the tone in his voice was so excited, he said. Douglas said that he talked to an ex-military pilot about the incident and was told that for the pilot to see the object, it must have been coming at them practically head on. Quote, so whatever it was came fast right at them and right over them, which gave them a big enough scare that they had to report it, he said. Douglas said when the military conducts flight tests, it notifies the FAA, which makes sure there are no commercial airline flights in the area at the time of the test. Quote, if the military can't explain what it is, what's flying out there that we don't know about, he asked. <laughs> and that is indeed the question, isn't it? What is flying out there that we don't know about? It was the best of times. It was the end of times. Nothing quite says apocalypse like mutilated birds showing up mysteriously in a coastal town. Well, maybe it's not quite that bad, but Fox 13 Tampa Bay reports this. The source of pelican mutilation remains a mystery as number of battered birds climbs. From St. Petersburg, Florida, the 17th pelican found on or around the South Skyway Fishing Pier with a head wound arrived at the Seaside Seabird Sanctuary in Indian Shores on February 18th. Quote, he actually had a whole skin flap from his beak all the way up between his eyes, so you could see his skull and all the tissue was kind of just hanging off there, described Avian Hospital Director Melissa Edwards. Edwards and her team stitched him up and as gruesome as the wound looked, you would never know by seeing him now. The lucky pelican will eventually be released. The folks at Seaside Seabird Sanctuary see all kinds of injuries and all kinds of birds, but the number of pelicans coming in with a head wound is raising questions. We do get birds and injuries similar to that once, twice, three times a year, but to get 17 birds in a span of a month and a half is a bit suspicious, Edwards said. Florida Fish and Wildlife officers are investigating. They've stepped up patrols on the pier and are urging anyone who may know something to call their wildlife alert hotline. Meanwhile, some of the regulars who fish the South Skyway reject the idea that one of their own would harm the birds. Mike Gaby spends his weekends fishing at the pier. He believes there's a less sinister explanation for the injuries. Quote, at the rate I've been out here, the amount of time I've been out here, I would not say a fisherman did this, Gaby said. Quote, we have a lot of newbies, uh, a lot of newer birds, and that's where I'm seeing these injuries on too. So I'm concerned that maybe there's something they're flying into or hitting at the same time. Florida wildlife investigators haven't ruled that out. They say biologists are also examining the pier to look for spots that could be the culprit. Edwards acknowledges that possibility, but when it comes to the wound on Pelican number 17, she added, of course, I can't say for sure if someone intentionally did it, but it seemed way too precise to have been an accident in terms of him colliding with something at the pier, the barnacles. It's all a little suspicious. We need to find out what's going on for the sake of the birds there. Anyone with information about the injured pelicans is asked to call the Florida Wildlife Alert Hotline at 888-404-3922. Callers will remain anonymous. 
And perhaps another sign of end times, WCVB5 in Massachusetts reports that residents question mysterious booms that shook homes. Dozens of residents across the North Shore of Massachusetts reported hearing loud booms that rattled homes and nerves in several towns. From Salem to Peabody to Beverly and Lynn, residents reported hearing what sounded like, quote, big screeching and feeling what seemed like an earthquake. The source of what sounded like mysterious explosions to some remains a mystery. Emily Gonzalez lives in Salem and was working from home late Tuesday morning when she heard a loud boom. Quote, it sounded like something in my basement exploded, Gonzalez said. Pauline Baldwin, who lives near the corner of Forest and Summit Streets in Peabody, reported feeling her home shake violently around the same time. Quote, I actually thought something was coming through my house, Baldwin said. My house was shaking. I ran from one end of the house to another. That is how scared I was. Dozens of people described what they experienced on social media, wondering what the source of the commotion was. Officials are looking for answers as well. Peabody police say they explored the area using bomb-sniffing canine dogs, but found nothing. Residents, of course, are hoping someone, anyone, can figure out the answer. Is the U.S. Navy testing a solar satellite that can beam power to anywhere on Earth from space? This from the sun. The U.S. Navy has fired a pizza box-sized satellite into orbit that generated enough electricity to power an iPad. The photovoltaic radio frequency antenna module, otherwise called PRAM, was launched in May 2020 and harnesses light from the sun that it converts into electricity. According to CNN, the experimental tech is attached to a drone that orbits the Earth every 90 minutes. It's designed as a prototype for a future system to send electricity from space back to any point on Earth. Quote, to our knowledge, this experiment is the first test in orbit of hardware designed specifically for solar power satellites, which could play a revolutionary role in our energy future, said Paul Jaffe, prime principal investigator and co-developer of the project. Quote, some visions have space solar matching or exceeding the largest power plants of today. We're talking multiple gigawatts, so enough for a city, he told CNN. While the technology in its current form cannot transfer power back to Earth, future versions could do just that. Similar technology has already been shown to work in prior experiments. Quote, the unique advantage the solar power satellites have over any other source of power is this global transmissibility, Jaffe said. You could send power to Chicago and a fraction of a second later, if you needed, send it instead to London or Priscilla. Pram measures 12 by 12 inches and it's capable of producing 10 watts of energy or enough power for an iPad. Solar cells in space have the advantage of a more intense power source as sunlight doesn't have to pass through the atmosphere to reach the panel. That source is also 24-7 as the panels are not subjected to the light-day cycle of those on Earth. Quote, we're getting a ton of extra sunlight in space just because of that, Joffe said. The project envisions an array of dozens of solar satellites that, if scaled up, has the potential to provide huge amounts of power at a moment's notice. The hope is that a network of the panels could provide emergency power during natural disasters. That could have been helpful last week during a freak winter storm that knocked out the power grid across Texas and left 80 people dead, Joffe's colleague Chris DePuma told CNN. Quote, my family lives in Texas and they're all living without power right now in the middle of a cold front because the grid is overloaded, DePuma said. So if you had a system like this, you could redirect some power over there and then my grandma could have had heat in her house again. 
The team at Pram are experimenting with ways to send electricity collected by their satellites back to Earth as microwaves. Speaking to CNN, Jaffe allayed fears that the technology could be used to create a giant killer space laser. Quote, it would be exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, he said, due to the size of antenna needed to direct the energy. The team published a paper on their findings last month in the IEEE Journal of Microwaves. The project has been developed and funded under the Pentagon, the Operational Energy Capability Improvement Fund, and the U.S. Naval Research Laboratory in Washington, D.C. In other news, the U.S. Navy experimented on far-fetched technologies, including a space modification weapon, according to leaked documents. Military researchers are also reportedly developing a laser weapon that can generate the sound of a voice out of thin air. And the U.S. Army is also testing a 50-kilowatt laser weapon that incinerates drones, helicopters, planes, and missiles, and makes a delicious grilled cheese. I'm just saying, that's kind of exciting. Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else, or if you have an interesting story to tell. You can always call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. Please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show and help us grow. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe, we are not alone. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawk. Yeah.